familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. There are many ways in which a mother can breastfeed her multiples. Sometimes the mechanics and logistics of it can all seem overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Jonna Rose Feinberg, an international board-certified lactation consultant, editor of breastfeedingtwins.org, and owner of Twins in Mind Consulting. Today, we will be discussing the mechanics of breastfeeding multiples. This is The Boob Group, Episode 7. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk. What's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva. Don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk never had to pump. Breast milk. All udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group because mothers know breasts. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also a certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. At The Boob Group, we're your online support group for all things related to breastfeeding. Wondering how you can become involved with our show? Visit our website at theboobgroup.com where you can send us comments or suggestions through our contact link. Join the conversation on our Facebook page as well. You can even call The Boob Group hotline at 619 619- 866-4775. The Boob Group is also looking for listeners to join our blogging team. If you'd like to share your current or past experiences about breastfeeding, be sure to send us an email. Today, I'm joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you introduce yourself, please? Hi, my name's Christine Stewart Fitzgerald, and I'm the mom to uh, two twin girls. They are now two and a half. Woohoo! And I've also got I've got a singleton on the way due this fall. Ah, congratulations! Thank you. Hi, my name is Jenica McEwen. I have thirteen-month-old twin girls um, who were born six weeks early. So I'm very happy to announce that they're twenty pounds. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stephanie Adams. I have. Um, a two-and-a-half-year-old little guy, and I just had twins, a boy and a girl, about four months ago. Well, four months today. Oh, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Sounds familiar. If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little... I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. 
Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. All right, well, we're going to kick off today's episode with some unbelievable breastfeeding stories making headlines around the internet. All of these stories are posted on the Boob Group Pinterest board if you want to check them out. And today we're going to be talking about that lovely Time Magazine um, article, Are You Mom Enough? And um, what was your first sense when you read that, um, read the title as well as looked at that picture of the mom breastfeeding her three-year-old? I don't know. I have to say the visual of a four-year-old standing there, you know, latched on, it, it's a little shocking. I know, you know, for long-term, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely an advocate of, you know, longer-term breastfeeding, but sometimes visually it's like, you know, you, you do kind of sometimes have that sort of ooh factor because we don't see it that often. So I'd say it's not, it doesn't always sit in well in the sense of, oh, that's normal. So, yeah. yeah. Where it's biologically normal, um, it's not necessarily socially normal in Mm -hmm. our society. And so I definitely think they um, use that for shock value and kind of instigate a conversation or multiple conversations. I think it was shocking. I think they did it for a reason. I think they did it to um, have people to start having these conversations. Um, I do agree with longer-term breastfeeding. I don't think it's for everyone, though. Um, But if she's continuing to do it, you know, he's obviously... Both of them are benefiting from it in some way. Um, when I first saw it, again, it was it was quite shocking just the way they have her posed. It's kind of suggestively, and that's just not really a normal pose for breastfeeding. But <laughs> yeah. I, I also was, you know, I think that the article is going to be linked to talking about attachment parenting. Yep. And I, I just thought that it's really misrepresenting what attachment parenting is about. Yeah. Absolutely. Why yeah. so, would you say? Um, just the sort of the competitive title to it, Are You Mom Enough? That's, <laughs> and, and it just, I think it misrepresents what attachment parenting is about, about creating a secure and attached and confident child. It's not about how natural you can be or how long you can breastfeed or, you know, I'm kind of assuming from that, uh, the title there, Are You Mom Enough? Um, it just pulls away from from the purpose of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, in my mind, it just started off the mommy wars. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, it was, it's funny, I mean, I guess because I'm a lactation consultant, mm-hmm. I looked at the picture and I was like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. But what shocked me the most was that title. And I was like, mm-hmm. why are you doing that? And for Mother's Day, seriously, you're going to make us all start to doubt whether we are mom enough for our children mm-hmm. because of we don't do some things that other people do. And I think that the title bothered me even more than the photo. I think it was really designed for shock value. I think if you want to have an open conversation about what it means to be a mother in this day and age or how different people mother their children, that's a great conversation to have. But this was designed to, you know, drive up magazine sales and get people fighting with each other and creating a buzz. And I, I mean, I guess they were successful at that, but yeah. they weren't so successful at actually having an open conversation about different parenting styles and why people might make the choices that they make in their families. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, when I think of attachment parenting, which the article is actually about, I was thinking, well, I guess that to me, I was thinking, well, you know, put your three-year-old in a carrier on your back. and yeah. But obviously that photo wouldn't have uh, sold as many articles or sold as many magazines as this one in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So today on The Boob Group, we're discussing the many different ways a mother of multiples can make breastfeeding work for her and her family. Our expert, Jonna Rose Feinberg, is an internationally board-certified lactation consultant, editor of breastfeedingtwins.org, and owner of Twins in Mind Consulting, as well as an experienced breastfeeding mother of twins as well. Jonna, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Jonna, what do you find is the first question that mothers of multiples ask you about breastfeeding? And what would be kind of your top three tips for them? Well, I think in the beginning, moms are usually concerned about the mechanics of breastfeeding multiples. They want to know, can I really do this? How will I manage this? What have I gotten myself into? Oh, my God. <laughs> and then it kind of devolves from there. But, you know, it's great when they're asking those questions because that means they're getting prepared. They're thinking about it. They're thinking about what they need to do to to manage this relationship and then to enjoy it. So getting prepared is my number one tip. Mm-hmm. Um It can mean taking a class, reading a book, uh, having a prenatal visit with a lactation consultant is often a really good idea for a mom of multiples. Um, It can also mean attending a breastfeeding support group, maybe through a local moms of multiples group or through La Leche League. I think it's really important, especially for moms of multiples, to meet other moms who are breastfeeding their own twins or their own higher order multiples to really talk to someone who's been in the trenches and and get that sense of it can be done and here's how yeah even more so than being surrounded by moms of singletons would you say i i think so i think i think that having that really having the visual Mm -hmm. of having a mom breastfeeding twins but also hearing from another mom who's right there who says you can do this I did it. You can do it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so I think that's really important. Um, but because they're multiples, I have lots more tips. <laughs> multiple babies, multiple tips, right? <laughs> so um, I think also with one baby, but especially with more than one, it's important to line up support. So having your partner, your mom, your sister, a postpartum doula, having somebody on board with your plans to breastfeed can make a huge difference in the early days. Um it's helpful for a second set of hands to arrange babies, to arrange pillows. Uh, it's especially helpful to take care of the new mom by making sure she's staying hydrated and well-fed. My husband said uh, to tell dads that the best <laughs> thing that they can do to help with the babies is to take care of the mom, that that's a super important thing and that it shouldn't get minimized in the relationship. Lots of moms find it useful to learn how to tandem feed, to nurse the babies at the same time. Not everybody decides that that's the best way to do it, but it's often something to learn. I usually suggest that moms work on that after each baby has figured out latching, sort of a lot of things to work on at the same time. So get the babies latching and then work on feeding them together, but it can be a big time saver. Um, And then my bonus tip, which is true for everybody, but especially for multiples, if you're having problems, get help right away. Don't wait until it's a huge Mm -hmm. crisis. Call a lactation consultant, call your lalechele, call whoever it is you're going to get for get support. Have it lined up in advance so when you're in a crisis moment, your partner, your support person can say, I see that you're stressing out. You know what? I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call someone who can help you so that you have that ready to go when you need it. Ladies, what else would you add to that list, if anything? Well, you know, I think, yeah, preparation, I think, is key. I know when I found out I was having twins, I realized, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to do this on my own. <laughs> and I think if I had I had one, I'd probably think, well, okay, everybody has one. So it kind of did force me to, to really, you know, gear up and look at, you know, how I was going to have support afterward, you know, during um, the first few months. Um, but, you know, and I think um, 
you know, one of the things I realized is that um, how do I think I'm going to be living? We, you know, we have a, um, a two-story house, and I realized I spend a lot of time in our family room. So some of the practical day-to-day stuff meant, okay, I need to have sort of a daytime setup, and I need mm-hmm. to have a mm-hmm. nighttime setup. So I had kind of like, you know, two sets of nursing pillows, and, you know, I had my you know, pump downstairs. And um, so, of course, you can't anticipate everything, but um, it was just helpful to go out and, you know, get stuff in place, you know, ahead of time. I was going to say that I think it's good to have somewhat of a plan in mind, obviously setting up your support systems, but realizing that plan can change mm-hmm. and being yeah. flexible with that. Um, you know, I had an idea of how it was going to go, but then it's completely different once <laughs> the babies come. Um, but that's what was helpful is knowing where I could turn for help and where I could go to um, for that support. Um, definitely having the right equipment was important, but then you learn about all these new things once you see your lactation consultant and things I never even knew existed. So um, just knowing what your options are, I think, are is a key. Support is essential with twins. Mm-hmm. I, I had the experience of nursing just a single baby prior to having my twins. And that was a challenge in itself, just nursing, learning to nurse one baby. Um, and so I... I was I was nervous to nurse two babies because he just one was such a challenge. So I knew right away sort of my plan of attack when I hit a struggle with the twins. Um, I had my lactation consultant sort of lined up. I knew who I was going to call, and my husband knew how to support because he had experienced that before. And one thing I did was um, people who I knew that were going to be in my house during this sort of newborn mommy stage with these twins, I let them know that this was something I really wanted to do. So to really be supportive and and, um, speak supportive messages to Mm -hmm. me rather than if they're seeing me fall into tears crying because I'm struggling with getting one latched or it hurts. Um, Not to say, oh, maybe let's let's try Mm -hmm. this let's try let's just go ahead and try some formula to to hug me and say you're doing okay let's keep let's keep at it so Mm -hmm. cheerleaders you need it (laughs) jonna do you notice that there's a big difference in early breastfeeding ease based on the baby's gestational age yeah i think there really is i think there's a lot of growth and development going on in those last developmental weeks those last gestational weeks um and every day makes a difference. They tell you that when you're pregnant, you get all these warnings about preterm labor and being careful. But, you know, when the babies come, some babies are really premature. And so it's pretty likely that they'll spend some time in the NICU just growing or if they have any medical concerns. But even babies that are born um, at 35 or 36 weeks, which we think of as pretty okay, um, they're late preterm infants. And so they often have feeding challenges of their own, even if they're healthy enough to be right with you and to go right home with you. So uh, they're smaller, for one thing, which means smaller baby, smaller mouth. So (laughs) (laughs) got to get the logistics down on that. Um, They also tend to be sleepy, and they're more prone to jaundice. So you, you really need to work at establishing breastfeeding in those early weeks. Terrific. Ladies, as moms of, as new moms of twins, what did breastfeeding look like for you and your babies during those first few weeks? And if you wouldn't mind also just um, letting us know what, um, how old they were gestationally when they were born. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, my girls, thankfully, they were actually full term, 40 weeks. Wow. Um, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can say I ate a lot of protein. That was <laughs> so, they, thankfully, they came out full term. Um, and, you know, I, I think part of it was, uh, you know, of course, milk supply. Um, that's probably one of, the, one of the biggest challenges. Um, one of my girls um, ended up being in the NICU just for a few hours. 
Um, and uh, so within the, the hospital setting, uh, we I did have lactation consultant, and she spent a significant amount of time with us. But uh, in order to get us out of the hospital, we were said, hey, we have to get them up to full weight, so we need to supplement. Um, so that was one of the things that, okay, fine, <laughs> we'll do that. And um, and I'll say supplementing, we did it with the, the tube, you know, with being taped to the breast. Yep. So they've got the – they're suckling on the, the nipple, and then they've got the little tube in the corner of their mouth. And, um, you know, that, w- that was a challenge, yeah. um, doing it at home, especially in the middle of the night. So Absolutely. <laughs> so I was very thankful. Um, it was really only after after a few weeks that we could go just straight to – to, to regular nursing. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, we did continue with um, supplementing with, with formula. I think, you know, milk supply, um, you know, was always a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my philosophy has, has always been I just want to, you know, continue breastfeeding them, whether they get it 100% of the time, you know, breast milk, or maybe they get 75% of the time and 25% formula. Um, you know, I feel good about, you know, feeding them. Absolutely. Cause they're getting every, every drop that they get is so mm-hmm. beneficial. And so it doesn't have to be all or nothing, which mm-hmm. is fantastic that you, you've felt that way and you noticed that. And so that way you could continue this relationship with them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's wonderful. How about, um, how about you, Jenica? Well, uh, my girls were born at 34 weeks. So, um, luckily they didn't spend too much time in the hospital they just had to stay to gain a little bit of weight mm-hmm. but my problem was my milk supply didn't come in for a good seven to ten days mm-hmm. so right off the bat we had to start with supplementation which I was okay with um, for me it was more important for them to get um, what they needed in order to gain weight um, and then I started pumping <laughs> and my life from then on was pumping um, you know eight times a day to get my milk supply in and then um, so eventually once it came in we um, I did breast milk. Um, again, they had latching problems, so mm-hmm. it took us a while to get that down and then would supplement and eventually got them just to breast milk So um, until later on. But that's, that's what About we... how long did that take you? <sighs> over a month. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot over of hard a month. Work. <laughs> yeah. My time frames are a little bit off right now. But I, yeah. It was over a month. I remember that. And, you know, still used, I had to use a nipple shield. I had to use the tube, to, you know, to try to get them used to the br- latching mm-hmm. correctly and did everything that I could to help them along. That's and they fantastic. eventually got it. <laughs> Um, we kind of had every nursing challenge under the sun in the first few <laughs> weeks. Um, my twins were full term, 40 weeks when they were born. Wow. and um, But they were significantly different sizes. They were two pounds um, different in size. One was in the seven pound range and one was in the five pound range. Um, and that, that presented nursing challenges in itself just because um, they were just such different sized babies. They just had different nursing demands. Um, my biggest challenge was with my boy who was smaller he was five pounds he did go to the NICU right after birth for a few days um and how we managed that was we just lived down in the NICU pretty much (laughs) and nursed and nursed and nursed until he got to the uh took in enough ounces that that they were happy with that they said okay he's doing well so they let him go um and then when we got home his latch was very very painful and we came to find out that he um he was tongue-tied so we got his tongue clipped and um his latch was much better but he was in a lot of pain from the tongue clip so he actually stopped nursing altogether and that was a really challenging moment for me because I myself I wanted so desperately to nurse my twins and um I had to really come to terms with that it may it may not happen and I 
through a lot of tears and struggle, I, I got, I opened up the formula and I supplemented <laughs> him for a few days because he, what was most important was he needed to eat and he needed to gain Absolutely. weight. And it wasn't about what I wanted. It was, I needed to nurture my son. And however that happened, um, was what I needed to do. And so my, I nursed my, my daughter, and I gave my son formula for a few days. And then once he healed up, we tried to put him back on, and he latched beautifully. Mm-hmm. And um, ever since then, I've just been nursing them both um, as much as they want <laughs> and as often as yeah. possible to keep my supply up. And yeah. so, But it was a rough go, I would say, for the first month. Absolutely. Sounds yeah. like it. <laughs> Jonna, what, what did breastfeeding look like for you during those first couple weeks? Uh, well, it's a bit of a whirlwind. Um, my babies were born at 37 weeks, so on the early side of term, and great for twins. Um, I had a cesarean. My son was in the NICU for a couple of days at the beginning for some breathing issues, so I spent a lot of time going back and forth between the one baby in my recovery room and the other baby in the NICU, back and forth and pumping. Um I was really lucky to have a lot of help at the beginning. So my husband took a long leave of absence. My mom and his mom took turns staying with us as much as they could. And so then I was able to really focus on the breastfeeding um, because somebody else was doing pretty much everything else at the time. Uh, It's a good thing because I don't think I could have managed anything else. Um, I feel like a little bit like it was a juggling act at times, trying to get two babies and all of the, we we were pumping and we were supplementing and we were lots of contraptions. I saw a fantastic lactation consultant a couple of times at the beginning. And the other thing that I did that I think was really helpful was I reached out online to some other moms of twins who were breastfeeding to sort of like, I'm in this crazy place and please tell me it gets better. And and it was really nice to hear like, yes, it's going to get better. You're in the worst, the worst, darkest moments and there is a light. And then, you know, and then it started to work and we stopped needing to supplement and we stopped needing to pump and then it was just breastfeeding and it was fantastic all right well when we come back we'll discuss whether mothers of multiples benefit from putting their babies on feeding schedules as well as how pumping fits into the breastfeeding scenario we'll be right back another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're back. Uh, so, Jonna, when I guide a mother of a singleton, I often discourage setting a feeding schedule during those first few weeks, as I find that babies often put themselves on schedules. However, I realize that might be a different scenario for moms who are feeding two or more babies, because otherwise they could literally be feeding, um, like a friend of ours likes to call, dri- all you know, a twenty-four hour drive-through. Yeah. And so, <laughs> exactly. So, how important for a breastfeeding mom of multiples is it? for her to help her babies um, find a feeding schedule early on? Well, you know, I, I don't encourage putting the babies on a schedule, although I will say that babies who come home from a stay in the NICU are often have already been put on a feeding schedule in the NICU, and if they're already on one, it's it's not a bad thing to keep them on that schedule if it's working for you. But mostly I don't encourage scheduling. I do encourage families to find a routine that works for them, and what that often means is trying to keep the babies on the same feeding cycle. So... That could mean feeding them together or feeding them one right after the other, uh, especially at night, so that mom can get some stretches of sleep. So it, it's one time.
time when it might make sense to wake a sleeping baby. So you have the one baby wakes up and you feed that baby and you wake the second baby to feed them so that then after that, maybe you get a stretch where you get to sleep and you're not constantly feeding babies. Um, And I also suggest uh, keeping a feeding and a diaper log. I I don't suggest that as much with singletons after those first few days when you're sure that their diaper count is good. But when you're talking about two babies, it's really easy to lose track of which baby you fed and which baby you changed. (laughs) And uh, again, especially at night, it's always better to just write it down and then you don't have to worry that you're not going to remember in the morning. (laughs) That's terrific advice. Ladies, um, did you find that you put your children on schedules? I mean, for me, not not really. I mean, thankfully, they just sort of, um, you know, went on a regular schedule on their own. We just, just decided, well, let's just feed on demand. And um, thankfully, they were pretty much in sync with each other. I mean, of course, when we reached some development milestones, you know, as far as introducing solids and when they're a little bit older and teething, um, then it, it did change. And we'd have, you know, one that might need a feeding and the other one was sleeping and that, that sort of thing. But early on, um, thankfully, it was... They set their own schedule. So one kind of, when one woke up, the second one kind of followed suit? Yes, yes. And um, we, we found if we did decide that if, if one woke up, let's say, at nighttime and was hungry, we'd, we would feed her. And then we would go in and just you know get the other one and sometimes do sort of the you know dream feeding. Yes, right. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Jenica? I actually did sort of follow a feeding schedule just because the girls were um, at a low birth weight. Um, it was important they said to feed every three hours. So um, for the, at least the first couple, month or so, we probably did set a pretty strict schedule. Um, you know, they weren't always waking yeah. for those feedings. So that became such a challenge. And then you, you know, you put a demand on yourself, you know, I hope they're getting enough food, you know, and you want them to gain the weight. So that was always challenging. But we would wake, um, if one baby did wake to feed, we would wake the other one to try to keep them on the same feeding routine. I think that's important when you have multiples. So that's what I do remember <laughs> doing. And they do set their own schedule, I think, after a while. Um, and then when you have growth spurts, I think it's important to, you you know, obviously you would feed <laughs> the baby then when that, that demand called. Yeah. So how about you, mm-hmm. Stephanie? Um, I would say not so much a schedule, but just sort of follow the baby's demand. Um, we did spend a couple nights just feeding one baby and then waiting for the other baby to wake up. And those nights were really difficult because mm-hmm. it was getting about 40 minutes of sleep in between the different wow. wake up periods. Mm-hmm. So we decided mm-hmm. at night we'll wake the sleeping baby and yeah. <laughs> feed one and then wake the other one up and feed them back to back. Um, and we've kept with that and they really, they really do well and thrive with that. And that helped push them into sort of a very predictable schedule now, um, at night. And I just, yeah, I always try and kind of feed them together back to back or tandem, Mm -hmm. um, just because it's a time saver. And Mm -hmm. also because I have a two year old at home, uh, the poor little guy, he needs, he needs interaction with me. (laughs) If I don't put them together, I, I'm always nursing. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like to some extent, some of those um, cycle variations have to do a little bit with whether the babies are identical or fraternal. So oh. I don't know that for sure, but I know that Christine's girls are identical, right? Yes. yes. And, and I have heard, and again, I don't have a, a study to back this up, but anecdotally, it seems like identical twins are more likely to put themselves on a similar schedule, both in terms of sleep wake and then later on in terms of their developmental milestones and things like that. They're more likely to be kind of right alongside each other. And fraternal twins are, are two babies that happen to be born at the same time. And so they're individuals and they they tend not to do that quite as much. Some of them do, but it, 
more often than not, I think. So it's just an interesting thing to look for and see. Absolutely. I don't know if that's true for everyone. But. No, that's fascinating. Absolutely. Um, Jonna, do you find that mothers of multiples have more of a difficult time getting that full milk supply compared to the moms of singletons that you work with? I think it really depends on the mom. I don't, I don't think that a mom who's expecting multiples should automatically assume she's going to have supply issues. Um, breastfeeding multiples is it's a demand and supply situation just like breastfeeding a singleton Um, there are sometimes factors that complicate that equation so uh, the mom may have had fertility issues that led to the conception of her twins whether that was fertility treatments or just she has hormone cycles that make her ovulate twice she still might have something going on hormonally that might have an impact um the other thing is that mother-infant separation always adds adds a challenge to establishing supply. So pumping or, you know, if the baby's premature or if there are other medical concerns, then there's those are just added obstacles to establishing supply. Okay. Do you find that most moms of multiples um, become more friendly with their pump early on than <laughs> moms of singletons? I think it's very, very common. Yeah, I think. And especially, again, because a lot of twins are even just a little bit early while they're getting the hang of feeding, you want to make sure to protect your supply. And so if the babies are not 100% doing the job of, of getting all the milk they need from your body, whatever you're doing to supplement the babies, you also need to be sure to, we say, to protect the milk supply. So if the babies aren't, aren't doing it all by themselves, then you need to do some kind of pumping at the beginning. So And, and in the early days, that would be pumping with a hospital-grade pump to help establish your supply. Ladies, give us a lowdown on your pumping during those first few weeks. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, for me, I, I did exactly what, what John is talking about. Um, basically, our, our lactation consultant um, set us up with a hospital-grade pump, um, which I, I think it is much more substantial um, than the uh, kind you'd buy in a, in a store. Um, but the, the hospital-grade was, was great. Um, so our routine was really... Um, I'd feed each each girl, sometimes doing it tandem, um, sometimes, you know, one after the other, just kind of d- depending on their their moods and schedule. And then um, I would uh, pump immediately afterwards. And I, and I knew in that process that, you know, feeding them, getting it to, into their belly was the most important. And then if I can just, you know, use the pump to just stimulate, you know, more demand. So um, I know, you know, I think at first there was – always this, um, I had this mindset of like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm only getting, you know, five, you know, milliliters. Oh no, you know, keep looking at the bottle and, and, you know, see, it's like, is it going to be filling up? And, and, you know, there's kind of these fighting these feelings of inadequacy to Mm -hmm. to some extent. Um, And, and I think, you know, I just really had to stick with it and realize that, okay, it's, it's going to be building up over time. And, and it was within, you know, so many months, then it's like, okay, I'm actually, you know, filling up more than one bottle. And so that was, that was really rewarding. But certainly, it's um, time consuming, spent a lot of time with that pump. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Jenica, I know you started with it, too, because your girls were so um, gestationally born so early. Yeah, it was um, probably a good six to eight weeks. I was pumping about eight times a day to really establish my milk flow. Again, got the hospital grade pump. I don't remember if it was a lactation consultant at the hospital, but they said, you know, the hospital grade pump will establish your yeah. milk flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pumps you buy in the store will maintain it. So, you know, I had the pump at home, but um, 
definitely the hospital grade pump and you will miss it when it's gone. Uh, (laughs) um, So I was pumping, actually I pumped all throughout nursing for me because after a while, um, one of my babies would prefer the bottle over nursing. So um, that was about after three months in. So that took a while for me to adjust to and just realize, you know, the most important thing is for her to get the breast milk. It didn't matter how. Um, So that meant that I was pumping again once my milk flow was in anywhere from four to six times a day to make sure that she would get the milk. So, you know, it's definitely you have a plan in mind, like I said, and you just have to be flexible with realizing um, what's important for you and your baby and your lifestyle. So for those of you who are still breastfeeding at this point, um, or if you remember, you know, how did your breastfeeding relationship evolve with your babies from this very stressful point in the beginning um, to maybe a more comfortable, enjoyable, peaceful time with your kids? Um, you know, I, I think we definitely we went in in phases. I mean, at the you know the beginning, there was this sort of you know introduction and and you know the whole latch. And when we transitioned from supplementing with a tube to not, that was a little bit easier. Um, and then you know a couple months afterwards, it's, I just felt like a natural flow. Um, but then you know I'll say when we went you know, further on into you know like the six month period when they got teeth. That was not so fun. I, <laughs> um, I'll just say you could hear a few screams in the house when I got bitten, and um, but yeah, I thought, okay, we're gonna we're gonna work through it. <laughs> so um, it it just it just continued, and we had sort of different kind of relationship, but it did become enjoyable certainly. You know, it was different for me because, like I said, I was nursing one baby longer than the other one. So I think my relationship with that baby changed. Yeah, our relationship has changed greatly. In the beginning, I mean, we had so many challenges, and it was uh, quite painful. And I remember in the beginning just encouraging my babies, um, <laughs> being like, you can do it. It's okay that it hurts, Mommy. You can do this. And um, just really trying to encourage them to now it's, it's really smooth. It's easy. The latch is very comfortable. And what I love, they're four months right now. And when I look down at them nursing and they catch my eyes, they'll smile. They'll pull mm. off and smile. And I'm like, you're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really evolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Jonna? Well, pretty soon after that, Stephanie, then they'll start poking at each other while they're nursing. And that's really fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I thought that those stages were all really really fun experiences in their own right. I mean, once you get past the sort of brutal early weeks, which I think, honestly, parenting newborns is kind of tiring at the beginning, and parenting two newborns is tiring at the beginning. However you're feeding them, it's, you know, it's a little crazy. But I think as they got older, our relationship really changed. The positions changed, Mm -hmm. our, our schedule changed, you know, their ability to ask or not ask or play with each other or not. But as they got much older, I think that, in a way, nursing was almost the easiest thing for me to do to calm two babies at the same time. So older, and even into toddlerhood, that it was this thing where everybody sat down and everybody got calm and quiet, and we all sort of snuggled. And I think, I think those moments of connection were really valuable as older infants and and as toddlers. I mean, I breastfed them for a long time, and that was part of why it was because it was a, a a tool in my toolbox of parenting to snuggle with them and to settle down and you know we do the same thing now but now we do it with a book so we all snuggle in together and we read a book together and that gets everybody sitting and quiet and and calm and reconnected and I think that that's really valuable absolutely well thank you so much Jonna for your insight into the mechanics of breastfeeding multiples as well as our three panelists Um, I really look forward to continuing our conversation about breastfeeding multiples in the upcoming months
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we wrap things up, here's a question you all had for one of our experts. Hi, Boob Group. Uh, This is Jennifer. I'm from San Diego, California. And I love the segment segment that you did about nutritional supplements for breastfed babies. I have a six-month-old daughter, and she is breastfed right now, but my pediatrician keeps wondering about uh, whether or not I need to give her iron supplements. Um, So my questions for you are... What are the signs that a baby is iron deficient? And is it difficult to test for iron deficiency? And I'd really love to stay away from unnecessary supplements, so your advice would be greatly appreciated. Okay, thank you. Hi, this is Dr. Johnson. Luckily, Jennifer, we really don't need those any longer. They're in our infant food, our formula, mom's prenatal vitamins. We do normally at least in our office, check at nine months of age to see if a child is anemic. The rather simple test involves a finger stick, and you can instantly know what their blood count is. And most of the time, I would say maybe once or twice a year now, I feel the need to use iron. So it's uh, sort of a thing of the past, but we still check for it anyway. As far as other supplements, probably... Number one right now on the list is vitamin D for breastfeeding infants. Uh, Breastfeeding infants are felt not to get enough vitamin D, so we usually supplement that. Vitamin D is a substance that helps us build strong bones and has really become more prominent as far as a nutritional need. So I hope that answers your question. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you'll visit our website, theboopgroup.com, and our Facebook page to offer your personal stories about breastfeeding multiples. If you have any questions about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Boob Group hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a breastfeeding topic you'd like to suggest, we'd love to hear it. Simply visit our website, theboobgroup.com, and send us an email through the contact link. Coming up next week, we'll be discussing how to manage a toddler while breastfeeding an infant. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, because mothers know breast. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care, and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. 
Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.